Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, wants us to watch Batman vs. Superman this week. But seeing as Ben Affleck is Batman, that's certainly not going to happen. Instead, we're watching Dead Poets Society with our good friend, Allie. Hey, thanks for saving me from the extra, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> The show where we bring our friends in, uh, try to get them to watch some movie that, for Lord knows a reason, they haven't gotten around to seeing, and you know, bring them in on the pop culture references. And then at the end, you know, we respect them more. Yeah, that's true. I think the pop culture references specifically are the important part because Absolutely. we want to have these conversations with them that we've never been able to have. We're bringing you into the fold. That's what we're doing. I'm addressing our guests exactly. right now. I'm looking them in the face and saying, "And uh, you have not done your due diligence." <laughs> Well, now you have, actually. So, You've actually, both of you, watched a couple of movies for us. So, Exactly. As far as friends go, I think you're near the top. Okay. You might have to tone, tone <laughs> down the rhetoric. So um, I, I, committed, uh, I, I committed the, um, the cardinal uh, podcast sin of not starting the recording ahead of time. So <laughs> what just happened is Adam showed me a picture of Ethan Hawke, who is in this movie. He, he is in this out. movie, much to your surprise. <laughs> yes, and it's it's bizarre. It's gonna go, it's gonna go up in the blog, so you can actually check out what this looks like. But Basically, I have a feeling he's gonna be trolling it's, it's, me the entire it's time. It's the Gary this. Busey police. Right. It's like headshot. Gary, it's like Gary Busey on a bad day. Yes, this it's, photo. it's it's pretty gross. It's like Gary Busey lost like fifty pounds and <laughs> God, did some coke, kind of and gone. then is just really enjoying himself. Yeah. Which Gary Busey always does, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out that Charlie says guests, plural, and obviously we've introduced you to our good friend Allie here, but if you've been listening to the show, and we hope you have, <laughs> you'll notice that in the first episode we had another guest. That's true, we did. And, uh, and it's a double header, so we have them both here again. So yes. Adam, welcome back. Hello again. I feel like I said that hello again much better the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, said it, you said it more suave, like, hello again. Hello again. <laughs> like like now that you're not in the hot seat you can enjoy some alcoholic beverages and just kick back also this picture should go with the hello again <laughs> hello done again. done send, send that like text that to me right now or like send it via email why don't you give us a synopsis of the movie we watched this week oh. this week we're watching dead poet society the 1989 comedy slash drama dramedy it, Yes, absolutely. Or comma. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we all just naturally paused with the comma. Keeping with the literary theme. Yes. Very good, very uh, good. Starring Robin Williams, of course, Robert Sean Leonard, Ethan Hawke, and Josh Charles. And it's an honorable mention to Kurtwood Smith, who we all love. Yes, we all do. I can never remember his name, so thank you. You <laughs> <laughs> can remember his name. Red. It's He's red. the dad in it's that red. show. He's the best. Yeah, I know. And he's he's terrifying in this. Well, he, he, I mean, he he's is. terrifying to that kid, yes. I guess. Yes. It's, it's, for me, it's just kind of like, oh, I just want to punch you in the face. You haven't given a synopsis yet. What uh, kid? What are oh. we talking about? So this is, uh, the movie starts out with all the kids are going to church on Sunday and they're introducing their new teacher, who's Robin Williams, and he mm -hmm. teaches a little bit differently than some of the other teachers. Yeah, it's roughly <clears throat> taking place in the 1950s Yep, 1950s, era. like a boarding school. All boys boarding all school. All boys boarding uh, school. Preparatory school um, with a high expectation of the graduates going on to Ivy League schools. And all of these kids, they don't really like to learn poetry, but Robin Williams sure is going to teach him how to do it right. He is. And uh, he... Uh, when he was a student there, had started something called the Dead Poets Society, which is a group of kids who would go off into the woods to a cave to read poetry of embrace dead authors to each other. Passion. Embrace. Well, yes, in a more general sense, to embrace passion, seize the day, etc. Suck the marrow out of life is, I believe, the phrase that was bandied yeah. about, which I, I understand is poetry, but just still sounds gross a to say. A little bit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids. Like a group of kids who are being taught by him decide to go do that and they really start enjoying their lives and do a bunch of things they didn't think they were going to do. And then, it, well, I don't know if I want to give away the, the really sad, sad part, no, but something, something tragic happens. Yes. And then there are, there are, there are consequences yes. to the, to being a nonconformist. Right. There are consequences when you suck the marrow out of life. <laughs> yes, there are. Dire consequences. <laughs> 
Maybe it wasn't such a good idea, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe it would be better if Robin Williams had never come to that school. Well, no. Well, I don't know. We're going to have to discuss that. You know what? I'm just going to toss it over to Ellie. Ellie, do you think it would be better <laughs> if Robin Williams never came to the school? Never came to the school as a teacher or never came as a student? Oh. Ooh, ooh. ooh twist. I guess I was going for teacher. He did a good service to those kids. He definitely, it was worth it. And I think he knew it was a risk and he knew it was going to happen. It was worth a child's life. (laughs) Such is the life of an educator. Ooh. Strong stance. I like it. I like it. She just, she's very committed. (laughs) (laughs) So Allie, what did you think this movie was going to be about? Not having seen it before. Based on the title, Dead Poet Society, I'm thinking a bunch of historical poets, you know, getting together back in the day where they're uh, interacting with one another and going about their their business in life, being poets and all the inside <laughs> jokes they might have as poets. Um, so they would call themselves. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing of the sort. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have called themselves the Poet Society and then later been dubbed the Dead Poets yeah, Society. Yeah, this was a historical film. Uh, <laughs> maybe a reenactment. <laughs> We're definitely still alive, poets. <laughs> Sucking marrow out of We're life, not dead poets. Yet. It wasn't the contemporary <laughs> poet society. So what do you expect? Oh yeah. So Ethan Hawke is one of the main characters in this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it was bizarre to me to see him because I did not remember he was in this film. I can't believe you didn't remember. All the kids, like so. Ethan Hawke is the biggest one that surprised me. Josh Charles a little bit because I actually know who he is now, and back then I wouldn't have actually known who he was. And um, I guess Robert Sean Leonard, I wouldn't have wouldn't have known until House, and then yeah. now coming back. I yeah. can kind of appreciate that, but... Because um, Wilson's awesome. Yes, he mm-hmm. is. And that's how I'm going to refer to him for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you can't. I don't remember the character's his name. His name is Neil, because <clears throat> we'll refer I... to my notes now, which are clearly <sighs> superior, and his name is Neil. Your notes aren't as fun. Neil Perry. <laughs> Neil Perry? Yes, which the whole okay. time I'm thinking Luke Perry. I hand to God. <laughs> the whole time. They're, when they reference it, they're like, Mr. Perry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like snickering, because <laughs> it's Luke Perry. But anyway... <laughs> But uh, Ethan Hawke as a nerd, mm-hmm. I I didn't buy it. I don't know. Because he comes in and he's like standoffish. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I just came to this school. Like, I don't have any friends. Yeah. Like, who's going to be my friend? And like really quiet. And I was trying to decide I, what I don't year know. they were supposed to be in school. Because they're not quite seniors. Yeah. He must have transferred, right? He must have transferred. And so he's coming in. And I definitely got the impression that like it's a bigger sacrifice for his family. Like some of these other guys are from very, yes. very wealthy families. Yeah. Oh, he's a Dalton or he's a whatever. Right. And uh, so, like, his family is definitely making a bigger sacrifice to get him there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so there's more pressure. Yeah. And you kind of see that with the scenes when – there's only one scene, I think, with his parents in it that comes Mm -hmm. later. And they definitely kind of They're dressed a little shabbier. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, bigger sacrifice, definitely. But right off the bat, one thing that surprised me was that the kids don't really – you'd expect a boys' school – 1950s or whatever, the kids are just going to make fun of each other and they're going to give each other a super hard time and they're going to hate each other. Oh, here's the new nerdy kid. Mm -hmm. I don't like you. You're going to have to prove that you deserve my respect. None of that. No, he was just kind of welcomed into the fold. He comes in and is like, hey, guys, I'm a little shy. They're like, that's cool. Come have fun with us and be rambunctious. That part I thought was nice. There's what I expected to happen. Yeah. Kind of not turned on its head, but just not even addressed. Yeah. It was a little bizarre. It was nice, but it wasn't at all like actual high school was like. I know, after. right? Yeah. I expected a lot more swirlies. Um, <laughs> Noogies. Just yeah. wedgies. Bumping into each other in the hallways, pushing each other downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like there was some good like verbal mocking of each other, but like good natured. Good natured. Very yeah. good natured. Yeah. I expected a lot of swirlies, but we got we got along while we were watching the movie, so it didn't develop into that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, one There's thing, harmony. Because especially in like a lot of eighties, like early nineties movies too, one thing I was surprised about there wasn't like homophobic stuff in there either. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of like, oh, these boys are all hanging out together. They must be yeah. gay or whatever and making well, fun of each other for school. that. I mean, there's it, some extent, yeah, you're right. So. so maybe it didn't even come up. But like, so, that seems like the sort of thing in like the 80s like that they definitely would have commented on. Yeah, commented on or something yeah. even though it's not completely not yeah. necessary. It's just... Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up only because like I... During watching the movie again and like taking some notes like it's not at all like overt or whatever but I almost wonder if like Neil and Todd the... Uh, mm. Robert, Sean Leonard, yeah. and Ethan Hawke characters are, like, they seem awfully close. 
Yeah. And yeah. and very supportive of one another and and the way that they interact. You're almost wondering if they're like, you know, maybe like they don't know it themselves yet, but like a little bit more fond of each other. Maybe. I mean, it could than be. Just yeah. Friends. And just not something that's directly addressed mm-hmm. by the screenplay because it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a couple key moments that I like. I've noted things again, just watching yeah. it through the yeah, second yeah. time, where it was like the the look on on faces. Oh yeah, that was another thing I loved about this movie is that it's just the director basically having to tell people all the time what expression should be on their face <laughs> when they had no lines. Yes. Right. Like, oh, this this scene you're inspired. Do your inspired face, and every <laughs> single face was just like, <gasps> I mean, they did an okay job, but like each was like different and unique, and it's like, oh, ah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, I guess I can't, like, mug into a microphone you know, here. I'm really, really it's... glad that you made those sounds because the audience can totally see. But, yeah, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. like, half of these actors, that's what they had to do the whole time. It's just mm-hmm. be inspired. And I don't even know how I would do that if I was asked to do that as an actor. So I guess kudos yeah. to them. I, I said earlier, too, that um, I feel like this is one of, you know, a whole bunch of movies that kind of fall into this genre of uh, a teacher coming in and really inspiring some students mm-hmm. that, you know, you're a little bit surprised at, at, at how how well... Uh, the students are inspired, so uh, stand and deliver, mm-hmm. dangerous minds, yeah, etc. Um, but I did find interesting is that in a lot of those movies, you're mm-hmm. dealing with kids that are you know underprivileged, um, dealing with poverty, dealing with gangs, dealing with right, right, these different yeah. the under under yeah. undereducated. Whereas you have this, you have like ridiculously wealthy white boys who are are going to you know a preparatory school that's going to prepare right. them for these amazing careers. But that's actually what they're fighting against is that they, there is no choice that their parents have laid right. out yeah. this very traditional disciplined dry like future for themselves you know something that they haven't selected and i think that's a recurring theme with almost all of the the boys there's very few of them that are going into something they want to go into that's true the ones that they actually explicitly talk about like you know what mm-hmm. their future's supposed to be or whatever it's yeah a lot of pressure from parents and mm-hmm. the school and society about what they're supposed to be so yeah and so you know having this different you know, teacher talking about nonconformity and talking about passion and talking about uh taking risks carpe diem that um <laughs> that <laughs> that um that would be very appealing at that at that point in their lives oh definitely yeah which is why i think maybe i enjoy this movie a little bit more at that time in my life too i'm not saying i dislike it i still well, actually when was really the, when like was the last movie. time you saw this movie charlie uh, uh probably like 14 15 something like that mm-hmm. al you were saying you spent a lot of time maybe in your teenage years like trying to watch great movies yeah there was a period when i was in high school where i was like i need to see all these great films yeah. you know go through all the hitchcock and mm-hmm. uh, exactly yeah one flew over the cuckoo's nest and start picking up on all these great films and yeah this is one that was totally not on my radar maybe it wasn't on my parents radar who knows oh, yeah. they were the ones that drove me to the video store so yeah <laughs> and paid for the rentals <laughs> i feel like the the video rental is a recurring theme because a lot of these movies growing up, you know, mm-hmm. that was where you access these things and you didn't have like a comprehensive library at any given place. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. No, you can pay like $5, like, oh, stream it yeah. on Amazon, like anything I want right now. Yeah. But- and what, was the library even renting VHS and DVDs back then? I don't Probably think not. so. <laughs> I don't think so. And plus, you I mean, it really relied on the, you know, the cover art as you're walking around Blockbuster oh, Video yeah. and yeah. looking for something to hop out at you. You know, where you're like, nah. I remember that was that really bad with video games, like, as a kid, where it's like, that's all you had to go on was the box art. You're like, oh, I really want to play that game. And one thing I do with Adam Gubeski is that we go back and we play, like, basically every single Nintendo game that he's ever bought and rate them. And they're, like, across the board, horrible. Like, so bad. <laughs> like, and then you look at the box art, you're like, oh, this is going to be so good. And like, all no, just like, so miserable. Absolute crap. Well, the box art for this is movie him being looks carried like, on the shoulders of the boys. I don't think that happens. It does, does that, happen. It does happen? It does happen. Oh. When does it happen? Oh, my gosh. It's during the montage. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, my goodness. Okay. You don't when they're playing football or yes. soccer. Or what, yes. What, How many montages kickball? do they have? Uh, like two, I think. Two, okay. Yeah, I think there's two montages. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, I feel sorry for you that you haven't seen this movie since okay. you were a teenager because um, I've clearly, clearly watched this movie more times. Um, mm-hmm. That's a recurring theme. If I like a movie, I tend to rewatch mm-hmm. it. Uh, and actually, I, I know I rewatched this um, just in 2016 while I was doing some, oh, some commissioning. Oh, yeah. Some commissioning, you know, just casually taking some data, watching the movie. <laughs> That kind of a thing. But like not a sort of like an active watching, sort of like a passive. But like there's certain scenes, though, yeah. where you're like, it directs your attention away, like well, at that exact moment. Exactly. Right? Uh, I have, as usual, some clips. And this one is, oh, this is the first time in the movie I got really, really sad. And it's probably not the time you thought that I would be really sad. Was it like when they didn't get their radio to work? 
<laughs> Damn it! Get the radio to work ever. They never address it again. They never come back to that. They and do too. They get it to work. What? Oh my when? gosh! On the roof, they dance. This is another one of the montages. Charlie didn't really watch the movie. Guys. <laughs> They're like pumping rock during... and roll. Oh, yeah. well, I kind of zone out during okay, montage. Well, why don't you just oh. just play my thing? All right. Yes. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. That made me sad. That made you sad? Thinking about Robin Williams. Oh, yes, it's true. I I'm actually sorry. did have that moment, um, now that you say that, because this is in the, like, the first class. Mm-hmm. And they like funnel out into like the, I want to say lobby, but I don't know what word really to use of the whatever building sure, yeah. you're in. And it has photos of all the like yep. former mm-hmm. classes that have graduated from the school. And yeah, I did have a moment where I was like, yeah, Robin, we miss you. Yeah, just talking about his own imminent death. Sorry. In imminent? <laughs> Like well, uh, in that later. all of our deaths are imminent, <laughs> right? Isn't that what that scene is trying to get yes. across? Yes. And that's why you must seize the day. Wait, Robin Williams died? <laughs> no. <I'm> just... <laughs> that might be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that no, you can cut that up. He never dies I will because not. he's always in oh. these great films that we can watch over and over. Oh. That's right, Allie. Yeah. And gain cinematic respect. It's true. Yes. It's kind of a moral. Oh, 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 oh. There's the titular line for our show. And while we're at it. Listen to this clip. We weren't a Greek organization. We were romantics. We didn't just read poetry. We let it drip from our tongues like honey. Spirits soared. Women swooned. And gods were created, gentlemen. Not a bad way to spend an evening, eh? Hmm. Thank you, Mr. Perry, for this stroll down Amnesia Lane. Burn that. Especially my picture. Dead Poet Society. What? I heard that and I had to capture it. Dead Poet Society. What? (laughs) (laughs) Where have I heard that before? (laughs) I think that's going to be one of the recurring things that I have to do for every episode. If I Mm -hmm. hear them say the name of the movie within the movie, I'm going to capture that and we're going to play it. I I, I think. I I may not warn you next time, though. Oh, I've got another interesting clip for you. They talk about um, Schindler's List. (laughs) Who wrote this list? It's Schindler's List, sir. Check. (laughs) Anyway. Goodwill hunting. (laughs) Who solved this equation? It was hunting. Goodwill hunting. (laughs) So, okay. Robin Williams, he comes and he teaches and he's going to teach him in a new way. And he gets him to rip all the pages out of the book, right? Well, all the all introduction. Of them, well, yes. just the introduction, right? Yes. No, not the actual poems. I guess he should probably the keep the poems. The introduction was pretty craptastic. I loved it. You did? Yeah. Don't. Because you want to plot poetry? I do. That's ridiculous. I'm a mathematician at heart. Sorry, I know if the I audience had an equation, didn't see that, but I just rolled my eyes so hard it hurt. <laughs> if I had an equation that was, by the way, this is a horrible equation, though. I know. Like you're graphing I times P or something like yeah. that. No, 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 no. You're graphing two constants against each other. Yeah, that's not really. Which equation. is a rectangle. <laughs> All right. I don't know if anyone else was paying attention to that, but that's just horrible math. I think it's. I think we need something to objectively quantify how good a poem is. But come on, I think we can do better than that. That's that's my hot take on. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Anyway, the Pritchard scale. The Pritchard scale. Yeah, the Pritchard scale, which is complete garbage. And so and so they ripped it out. He had them rip it all, rip it out of their books. I don't know. I liked it. I, I feel like there at some point in time each one of us had some kind of a teacher, maybe not to this extent, that that did something that was a little out of the ordinary that made you think about something differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allie, do you have any such examples? And I'm kinda of putting you on the spot. I have one if you don't. Oh man. Had good teachers. All for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You want to shout out? Oh, man. Shout out Gosh. to your favorite teachers. I'm going to sound like a jerk if I forget somebody, right? <laughs> well, they're all tuning in. I don't know. I had some had some pretty good math teachers. I was a math major. Made made difficult things fun. 
I also remember in uh, high school algebra, or not algebra, and, and calculus, I uh, had to take notes for the class. And, you know, we were studying integrals and areas, mm-hmm. much like this yes, Richard yeah. scale, oh, yes. Yes. you know, and uh, we're trying to calculate volumes and things like this. And uh, drawing this rectangle, I turn it into a piece of bread. So, you know, I, I found ways to make goofy things happen, <laughs> like toast in the middle nice. of calculus class. What? Um, and teachers that put up with my crap, so... Good fan. inspiring teacher stories. Inspiring I am going to give a shout out to, let's see, my calculus teacher, Mr. Brandt mm-hmm. in high school. He was mm-hmm. one of my favorites. He's a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he made us get up on our desks mm-hmm. and yell about how great he was. <laughs> yeah. But he was funny. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of calculus. I remember the um, unit circle. He taught me the unit circle. Changed I'll never your life. forget. It did. Yeah. Sorry. I'm more of, I can tell I'm more of a math guy than a poetry guy. You know, another shout out to uh, Mrs. DJ, who made me uh, write poetry, and I did an awful job at it. It's like one of the only courses that I got, like, I failed at in high school, because I just would not write poetry. I didn't want to do it. Oh my gosh, you're like the dorky jock in the class. I know, like, that's me. like the cat set on the mat or something like that. Time for a sound clip. The cat set on the mat. <laughs> Congratulations, Mr. Hopkins. You're the first poem to have a negative score on the Pritchard scale. <laughs> we're not laughing at you, we're laughing near you. I don't mind that your poem had a simple theme. Sometimes the most beautiful poetry can be about simple things, like a cat or a flower or rain. You see, poetry can come from anything with the stuff of revelation in it. Just don't let your poems be ordinary. Yeah, Charlie, your poems didn't have an opportunity to be ordinary. You didn't write them. I know, I didn't write them. You know, because thinking, because I didn't think about my relation to poetry when I captured that. All I thought was like, Robin Williams is to show that kid who's boss, right? I'm like, I wouldn't have let him off so easy. And then I guess that kid is me, right? Yeah. The one kid in class who's like not super into poetry. And I'm like, screw this. I don't know. Maybe that's what I needed. I also want to point out, so the same kid, so we're just, you know, he, he, I don't even think we get a name from him or anything like that. He's clearly kind of this this jockish guy who doesn't really buy into the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, and uh, at the very, the very, very end of the movie, the big emotional scene, um, when Ethan Hawke stands up on his desk and says, oh, captain, my captain, and uh, others start to join mm-hmm. him, that kid is the last one to, to join in. Oh, he nice. Does, he does join in. He stands up and he does a little, like, head nod to, to Robin Williams, just like a, yeah, <laughs> thanks, buddy. One thing I read on IMDb about that kid was that, well, okay, so I'll always preface things by saying I read it on IMDb because a lot of the stuff they put on there isn't true, but they claim that that kid was actually a student at that school and was not necessarily an actor. So they just grabbed him and he's like, read the sarcastic poem, and he gets that cool scene at the end where he's like, yeah, maybe yeah. that's what I needed. I just needed a director. <laughs> that's exactly what you needed. And, and, to really and, believe and in an me. underwriter. <laughs> <laughs> But whatever. <laughs> I think that the, the alternative teaching styles, I think it, it reaches a lot of a lot of kids. I mean, it just yeah. mixes it up. Um, even for those of us who maybe really strongly or easily adhere to traditional teaching styles. I'm yeah. just speaking about myself mm-hmm. here. Um, that I had a, a teacher in senior uh, year of high school who taught um, a course that he kind of made up. Um, it was called Honors Mythic Patterns. And the idea was that you go through um, all kinds of literature and look for like the archetypal patterns that show up again and again where you can categorize um, basically all story types into like these you know four main seasons or four main main types whatever and that was just it was bizarre you know I'd never thought about it that way Mm -hmm. and it was really fun and he was very funny and and made class he used to eat uh, onions like apples it was disgusting but you couldn't look away it was a a train wreck you know you're just like oh oh, oh, yeah no he's really doing that that's what this movie's missing Robin Williams (laughs) just biting right into an onion (laughs) for no reason right in the middle of a scene I agree. That is what this movie is missing. I don't know. Maybe we want to talk about talk about the group of kids for a second. Oh yeah, there's lots of lots of little unique little children. Yeah, because I mean, around. we, we, we kind of focused in on Ethan Hawke's character. He's yep, new to the school. He's the shy one. He's very yep, shy. New. Um, doesn't exactly. like talking. Yeah, in front he's of kind of a blank slate-ish sort of character, mm-hmm. like a, maybe a stand-in for the audience or something like that. It's like, oh, you're seeing the point of view of this character. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he did a good job at that. And then. Robert Sean Leonard, of course. Yeah, no, he clearly, I, I, I felt like... I think like, I just um, about called him Robert Sean Leonard. <laughs> but Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard Wilson. 
so he, I felt like they did a really good job of just being extremely consistent. He clearly has a healthy fear of of his father um, and very much shies away from sharing any yes. of his actual thoughts and feelings yeah. with his father. Played by Kurt Woodsmith, again, greatest, terrifying. Greatest hard ass ever. Yes. Yeah, you know, if he would have called him a dumbass, it really would have sealed the deal for me. Um, but unfortunately, he, he didn't. But yeah, and his mother not able to stand up Mm-mm. to Kurt Which Wood at all. Which is not entirely surprising in no, this No, not at all. But yeah. yeah. But it's infuriating but that... for the viewer to watch something like that, especially exactly. when you're really gunning for Neil. You're like, do this. Come out of your shell. Be the person you need to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be a man. You know, stand up to your father. Do this, do this, do this. Right. And then for him to just take that and to see the mother just take that kind of wither yeah the way like neil he finally like he he did the play the performance and Mm -hmm. got the standing ovation at the end of the play and the father was at the back of the theater and then like that that to end the movie was just great you know it just made made everybody feel really you know (laughs) made me feel just awesome you know it was a, a really feel good movie I, I think they ended it in a really like positive manner. <laughs> like my time, like, obviously sure. the dad like finally approved of what his son was doing, and, and then he got it. He's like, "Man, you were really good." Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. fade to black, and yeah, then, credits roll. Yeah, yeah, it was triumphant but, film. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. a real, real, you know, words scroll across the screen and say he became yeah. president that, of the United that States. That version is yes. being played ten on the hall channel. Later. <laughs> like, a seasonal it, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's snowing. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. We were talking about characters. We, so what, there's, there's a, a redheaded kid well, and then a, the other redheaded kid. Okay. So hold on. Hold on. Because I'm, I'm going to consult my notes now. Okay. Because there's, there's Charlie. Your notes are objectively better than my notes. <laughs> there's uh, Charlie Dalton. So he was one of the kids. Um, he's kind of the more radical mm-hmm. of the kids. But you kind of find out early on that his family is particularly wealthy. Like that name means something. Apparently Dalton, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he's definitely being like forced into like finance that sounded like, like banking yeah. or something. But I felt like his character, I mean, he's kind of uh, a catalyst for a lot of this because he's particularly miserable about where his, his future is going. Whereas I feel like in, in the beginning, you know, Neil's really sad. He's afraid of his father, you know, um, yeah. doesn't want to do this. But he's kind of resigned himself to the fact that it's going to happen. Whereas this other guy, um, he keeps kind of acting out and increasing, like, increasingly taking bigger and bigger risks, like trying to like, get kicked out of school or have some way that it's like, going to affect his outcome. And he doesn't really seem to realize mm-hmm. how the risks he's taking is going to affect everybody else. Right. And then the redheaded punk, uh, hold on, his name is Cameron. And I want to point out that right away from the beginning, he's like an outsider. Oh, Cameron wants to join our study group again this year. Oh, you're only saying it because he's your roommate. I didn't really notice that. Yeah. yeah. So he seems much more willing to be like fringe friend who might bail and, and rat All out. Right. And maybe he's a little bit group. more justified than, because I just felt like, oh, he's part of the group the whole time. And I guess mm-hmm. I didn't really catch these. Yeah. Maybe I just wasn't watching the movie carefully enough. But yeah, there's all those wild, wacky characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and oh. Knox. Knox, who's the hopeless romantic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't one of the characters named Charlie? Was it Charlie Knox? No, no, no That was Charlie Dalton. Charlie Dalton. That okay. was the Nawanda. Oh, Nawanda. Yeah. Yes, of course. Which I thought actually kind of was like by giving himself like a persona, like he could further remove himself from like his inevitable mm. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Future. Like maybe there was a reason for him to do it beyond just like. Just being a jackass. Being quirky and yeah. being a jackass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was always the one doing the most ridiculous <laughs> things, like, you that's know, true. painting his face with lipstick or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And, oh, I guess the point I wanted to bring up was something that comes up a lot is the name Charlie is way overrepresented in, like, all movies. Really? I noticed because of my name. Well, and yeah. I've never really, I've met, like, one other person named Charlie in my life. But, like, movies, TV shows, like, listen for it. Every, like, third or fourth television show or movie, there's somebody named Charlie in it. Screen writers just love that name for some reason. I don't know why. It's just like every dude. Casual. It's Charlie. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. It's like exactly. Bob. I mean, that it's is like the Bob. only reason we're friends is because I needed I needed a Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll do. I'm trying to think of other Charlies in film. Charlie, Charlie Brown. Charlie, Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, Ooh. Charlie Wilson. Well, but he's a real person though, too. Yeah, but I never met him. I never met him. <laughs> But we're going to do, like, a Charlie count, factory. like, as we do these movies. Like, whenever the name Charlie comes up, in, it's, it's going to be in we there We need, a like, a, a sign, uh, like, a sound for it. Like, a chime <laughs> or something. It should be your wife singing, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that happen. All right. I can't necessarily make that happen on cue during the time. Like, hey, guys, wait up. Let me let me get out my phone. Wait just yes. a second. You need your own soundboard. 
I know. I really do. It's like... Pfft. Next Christmas, Charlie. Next Christmas. <laughs> I just need a big red button that just says Charlie on it. Bam! <laughs> do you think that the kids are really learning about poetry? I think they're learning about life. They're learning about poetry in the scenes we don't see in the movie. That must be it. Because one assumes that they're actually getting an education, and a rigorous one at that, given the school and mm-hmm. the books and yeah, everything they're carrying so. around. Well, there's several points in time you see cast, uh, some of the guys like quoting poetry, so they had to have learned it at some point. That's true. They but we just get the video of like them it. goofing off and yeah, becoming men. Get it. It's like a fun goofing off boarding away school is what it kind of feels like but there's not enough scenes of them hardcore studying for like 10 hours they carry on heavy books a lot you always see them like lugging around some giant chemistry book or something (laughs) that's Um, true and they don't have backpacks and they don't have backpacks they're just carrying the books in their hands so they're also ripped yeah yeah that's that's PE they don't need an explicit (laughs) class for that um uh, I kind of wanted to um a little focus Mm -hmm. on the relationship between Neil and Todd being a Robert, Sean Leonard, and mm-hmm. uh, Ethan Hawke. Thank you for helping me with I that because I don't remember. <laughs> um, because they're they, you, they, right off the bat, as you had said, um, Ethan Hawke is just welcomed into the fold. And it starts because he's rooming with Robert, Sean Leonard. Mm-hmm. And they're just like Insta friends. Like, hey, man, welcome to the crowd or whatever. And and he's really cool about it. when. So it's it's Neil's character. It's Robert, Sean Leonard, who says, you know, hey, um, learning about the Dead Poet Society, like that we should, we're going to do this again. And of course, just magically finds the one book in the library that's about transcendentalist poets and in the cover has notes <laughs> about how to conduct a Dead Poet Society meeting mm. written by Keating. I thought that was Wait. left somewhere for him to find. It was on his desk, right. but I didn't get how it had gotten there. I thought maybe Keating had just gotten the book and just put it on his desk. Yeah, but his, that in was his, his room. desk in his room. Well, I'm not saying he's not a creeper. Oh. See, I was assuming he went to the library and found it. <laughs> no, I think Robert Williams is sticking into all these boys' rooms and leaving them presents. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that <laughs> phrasing. Anyway, so. We might take that part out. I don't know. Actually, nope. I say leave it. Um, but so, anyways, he decides to he decides to start up the club again, and so he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, Todd, Ethan Hawke, whatever. You should you, mm-hmm. should, you should come." And he's like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm not gonna. I don't I don't want to read. Like I don't whatever." He's like, mm-hmm. "Well, I'll talk with the other guys, and we'll just make sure it's cool." So the the main way you participate in the group, you don't want to do. But that's okay, man. Come yeah. on in and join anyway. No hazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they make him when he gets there? Like, not no, at, you have to do not something. Not at the first one. Oh, okay. So yeah. they actually keep to their word. I just assumed it was going to be like, yeah, we're going to get this guy when he gets there. No, they really We're going to hardcore make him read poetry when he gets there. Were you expecting <laughs> yeah, him to have, like, maybe a speech problem or dyslexia or something that would oh, yeah. cause him read. to not yeah. want to read his poetry or read anything aloud in class? I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think it's just because I've seen it so many times. I don't remember what I thought the first time I saw it. Yeah, because the whole time I'm like thinking, why would he be afraid or not want to just read aloud? Yeah. Even something short and simple. I love the scene when he first, you know, Robin Williams basically compels him to to share or whatever because it's sloppy and it's, it's, you know, kind of just... Mm-hmm. in pieces or whatever but it's and it's dark particularly dark like what he ends up sharing you know this idea that um you're like suffocating and kicking against and fighting against something and it's always going to be that way until you die like it's very very dark but clearly um there's more depth and there's he has a better gift for this than like anybody else who's shared thus far or you know whatever i mean you did just have that ringing cat oh yeah the, the cat yeah um um, but yeah, you see him in his triumph. room and he's writing and writing and writing and scratching things out and you yeah. know, crumpling his paper. And you know he's putting a lot of thought and effort into yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, that was like during one of the – was that during like the goof off montage where yes. all the kids were doing the other stuff? But he was hard at work writing that poetry. Yeah. Yeah. And Paid then, off. you know, he gets to class and doesn't share. So clearly he's had the mental thought process going through of how to create good word choice and yeah. put, could, right. put concepts right. together. So yeah. when it is forced out of him. it's great it's good so what i noticed and this is what i was referencing is like when he's done with that and everybody kind of claps whatever like they they show specifically like sean patrick or sean patrick sean robert sean leonard neil his they show his face and he's just like it was like this idea like oh hey i have a buddy like a uh like an equal maybe because i think he feels drawn you know to arts to literature to performing and and this is something similar and it's like this additional bond that and then the desk set scene, which I totally love. The, oh, The world's yes. first flying, unmanned <laughs> flying desk set. <laughs> I guess so Ethan Hawke's parents just are very, well, they're, they're like hands-on, but they're hands-off. It's weird. Like, they're hands-on to the point where they force him 
To go. To go and to, like, do something good for the family, essentially, right? But mm-hmm. not where they remember anything about him or what presents they've given. So Absolutely they give nothing. him this desk set that they've given him multiple times. He's kind of a blank slate of a character. And yeah. maybe this is just another facet of that. I mean, he is so forgettable that his own parents are like, oh, we got you that last year? Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. His brother was, like, a valedictorian from the school previously, right? Yes. Oh, was that That's so? right. Okay, I couldn't remember whose brother it was that was, like... Yeah. Was it the guy that kept on? Well, no. Oh, it was, okay. It was, yeah. it was Ethan Hawke's older brother. You're right. But it didn't was. Josh Charles also have a brother? And they're like, your brother's name is like Moose or something. Yeah, or yeah, like, but it wasn't really. They were just wrong. They were just drunk idiots. Yeah, those are the kids from the other school. <laughs> from a public school. <laughs> 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 yeah. Who went to public Dirty school? Public schools. Ew. Yeah. You know, when the scene got to that party, that was a lot more reminiscent of high school as I. Oh, remember yeah. it like the the personalities right mm-hmm. you know at the the boarding school it was you know people seem to be surprisingly like open-minded and accepting and, and what have you things we, we've already talked about but uh at that party everybody was a bit like more coarse and yeah mm-hmm. you know well the boarding school yeah. kids are clearly evolved but uh, the, i'm joking obviously i guess <laughs> i i thought of it more like oh they don't even address these aspects of like the way kids interact but I guess you're pointing out, yeah, they do. It's just not at this school. Like, you see this party from another mm-hmm. school, and it's still there. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting thing I hadn't Drinking really thought about. Drinking and fooling around and fights and... Yeah. Speaking of that party, the scene where Knox, uh, like, they're laying on the couch, and he oh. makes the move on the yeah. girl. And his move is touching her hair and kissing <clears throat> her forehead, like, super, super softly. While she's asleep and, like, passed out. Yeah. That's really pretty sketchy. But it gets gets him the girl, right? Yeah, I don't know that that's what got him the girl, but sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I wrote I, that's in my notes. Where is it? He was super creepy. Is he what was, I wrote. Yeah, that's extraordinarily <laughs> creepy. Did you find it creepy, Ellie? I did, and I thought that in some ways, some people could see it as just how naive and innocent, like to think that that's oh, okay. appropriate. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just because most, like, they spent the majority of the time him, like, touching her hair. Like, it didn't freak me out that much. Na- taking the next step to, like, kissing her forehead or whatever, like, definitely makes him a little more creeper. But, like, touching her hair, I'm like, meh. It's like, <laughs> like you said, it's in this innocent type thing. I don't know. I didn't find it to be too creepy. Maybe it's I also because I'm factoring in the 1950s factors. Yeah. Too. Like, I'm going. Yeah. Taking it in the way it was intended. I don't think it was intended to be super creepy, but I think just through the lens of, like, especially now where it's yeah. like. No, that would be uh, very inappropriate. Because up until that point, closed, he seemed to have more sleeping. respect for her than her current boyfriend did. Well, that's true. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you didn't know kind of where that might be going. Mm-hmm. Was he going to protect her? Mm-hmm. Or was he right. just going to do right, what right, teenage right. boys want to do and make out with a girl? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Both? <laughs> yeah. So Knox invites the girl to go see the plate. that yes. happens later, right? Well, so he shows up at her school. He totally Oh, didn't. right. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between. That is creepy. Yes. Like, just showing up, and he, like, brings her flowers and reads her a poem. And you're like, what are you doing? Right. Like, to me, coming into, like, my classroom yeah. and doing that, I'd be like, and you're dead to me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we met once when you kissed me while I was asleep. I remember that. Yeah, that's creeptastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they met before that, too. I guess there's a lot of scenes where they meet. This is, like, a very a third, big through line. Like yeah. yeah. Really common in 80s movies, though. You know, I, I kind of wonder how many stalking cases are directly, like due to people romanticizing the 80s movie. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, say anything. Yeah. I just stood outside her place, man, with a boombox over my head. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot of that, you know, climbing in through people's upstairs windows yeah. and throwing rocks at the window and yeah. showing up in the same places, which I guess if you don't have Facebook or some of the modern ways yeah. that we have of GPS tracking each other, <laughs> as good as you're going to get. <laughs> I see. Still creepy. I see. I see. You're at Trader Joe's. I am also at Trader Joe's. <laughs> um, oh, I thought it was. It was kind of funny to see the whole boarding school aspect of it. Their flannel pajama parties. Yeah. That they had. Like everybody had the exact same pajamas and their Harry Potter robes that they were wearing around in the woods. 
The, I mean, it's the, very whimsical. It I enjoyed is. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there's... I thought it was kind of interesting because there's a couple of things happening. So the, the school obviously is really big on conformity and discipline. And it and, and it's not... Yes, it's so yes, heavy-handed yes. that, you know, not entirely different from, you know, saying the movie's title. Like, right. it was our, it's like those words are said repeatedly Well, they're said faculty. at the intro, you know, yeah. it's like tradition and all of these... The big yeah. banners. Words come yeah. right through the very beginning, you know, yeah. to set the stage. So maybe they're like, the you can choose your pajamas, but they must be flannel and they must Maybe be plaid that, <laughs> you yes. can choose your tartan yes but, exactly yes but i thought it was i thought it was interesting that you have like that that's clearly drilled in and, and multiple times like senior faculty are like you can't have students at this age thinking being free thinkers like that's ridiculous so you have keating in direct opposition to this you know where he's like absolutely you need to be free thinkers and he has that whole section about um where they're all walking in the courtyard and it's like not being a conformist like you know this is you know your um perspective your opinion matters and and you need to, you need to you know include that into your decisions about what something means or whatever it is don't mm-hmm. just take the author's yeah. perspective yeah. um and so that's why i thought it was kind of interesting at the end so you know neil goes to the play and the triumphant end that's in the hallmark version of the movie where you know he <laughs> he performs and it's and it's awesome and, and it's it's fantastic and in that version his father would be like i get it yeah. but obviously instead he goes home and is i mean he he even kind of makes a half effort to tell his father how he feels and just gets immediately shut down. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit of a pushover. Like, he could have stuck with it a little bit more, but, you know, whatever. Kurt, Kurtwood Smith is definitely um, um, right. intimidating. Yeah. But it's, like, a big deal for him to actually stand up to his dad and it gets him nowhere. It gets so him I think nowhere. that's what's just, like, yeah. he had a little bit of hope that maybe, yeah. like, he could convince his father and it's just, like, no. from, like, hope to nothing, yeah. like, completely dashed. But his father doesn't just say, you know, forget acting. That's never going to happen. He says, forget acting and I'm going to put you in military school. Right. And so I thought that was like, it wasn't just the loss of the acting, which was maybe what he thought would happen. It was bigger than that. It was like, clearly all the other guys with the exception of like Ethan Hawke's character have been going to the school for a long time. And so they know each other really well. And so there's like a family aspect to it. And so you're going to lose your thing and I'm going to rip you out of that. And you're going to go to like the place where conformity is king. Yeah, and then military school. And then to medical school after that, (laughs) right? And it's like, that's another, you know, like 10 years or whatever. He's like, 10 years from now, you know, you can go off and do whatever you want. It's like, that's forever for a kid. For somebody who's, you know, 16, 17, it is forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's longer than you can have most of your memories (laughs) for the most part. Yeah. So I guess it's understandable. So the big, (sighs) twist isn't the right word, the big turn of the movie is Robert Sean Leonard's character when he realizes he has to go to boarding school and he can't act anymore, which is his huge passion, he kills himself mm-hmm. with his dad's gun in mm-hmm. his dad's study. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty sad. I mean, it's a big turning point in the it's movie. It's a major where, turning like, point. It was definitely There's... something I did not see coming no? in the uh, movie at all. Like It's the one, th- it's like the big thing that I remember from the you movie. You feel but the frustration that. that Neil yeah. has mm-hmm. and you really want him to just sock it to his father, middle finger in the air kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and of course, there are many reasons why he can't do that or feels he can't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's still a minor, you know, he can't completely write off his parents or doesn't want to wind up, you know, in a different place. But yeah, the fact that he would actually commit suicide, I thought it just kind of came out of the blue to me. Right. There's definitely like the movie before that moment and then like the movie after it. The movie before it is like, there's fun in mm-hmm. it. And after that, it's joyless. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I guess besides the final scene. Yeah. Which is like kind of the But that's kind of bittersweet even. It is, yeah. It is, but he's taught them something though, right? Yeah. No, he's changed their lives. He's changed I mean, for at least a handful of them, he's (laughs) changed their lives. I felt like uh, I mean, again, I have seen the movie multiple times, so I don't remember the first time I saw it, kind of what I was anticipating. But watching it again and again and at this point taking notes on it and looking for cues, I thought, um, when Neil uh has been told by his father that he has to quit the the play and he doesn't want to and he goes and he talks to Keating and he talks about feeling trapped and I like hadn't really noticed the way he explains that before mm-hmm. and so knowing what was going to happen and then seeing some of those things again, oh like, right yeah yeah um and then lying to him about oh yeah I told my dad and it was great exactly and just the look on Robin Williams face where he's like I know you're lying to me but I'm not gonna call you out on it yeah um, yeah it's pretty pretty well acted scene it's just the the whole decision part because they 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 really slow the movie down yeah for this 
you know, he, he goes up in his room. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting. So it's like the doors have been closed. You're going to military school. It's all whatever lost. And so you go from like his parents' bedroom where you can see his dad is clearly very conformist and very orderly. Yeah, like like he slippers, takes up his, yeah. yeah, the slippers that are like perfectly aligned right by the bed. And then it cuts to Neil in his room and there's like perfectly folded pajamas on his bed and a robe and like a, like a toiletry kit thing that I think I would assume his mother laid out yeah. or something like that. That's all like this orderly thing. Because you figure they just grabbed him up from school and took him home. They didn't yeah. even give him time to clean out his dorm his room stuff. or anything yeah. like that. And so I thought that was, in, like, I hadn't noticed that before. So when watching it now, it's like, oh, you know, kind of seeing that. And he, I, I like, what are you, like, he puts his hands like on the pajamas and then removes them. Like he was maybe thinking of putting them on. And then I was like, no. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. And so he goes through, like, this big ritual of, like, putting um his, at least part of his costume back on to, like, kind of, like, feel that way, like, yeah, one more time. Yeah, is he naked? I think he's naked. He is wear, wearing the... pants. Oh, yeah, he's wearing pants. Okay. Only because I was, I thought he was naked. And then they show him when he opens the window. And I think they were probably like, that's a little too much for this movie. <laughs> we want to keep it PG, guys. So. Oh, one of the lighter points earlier in the movie is I felt like they decided, oh, we've got Robin Williams. Well, Robin Williams is a great stand-up. Let's have Robin Williams do some stand-up in the middle of the movie. Let's have him do some voices. Yeah. He's a good, he does, he has good impressions. <laughs> so sure. I've got that as a clip. Oh, perfect. We're going to talk about Shakespeare as someone who writes something very interesting. Now, many of you have seen Shakespeare done very much like this. Oh, Titus, bring your friend hither. <laughs> but if any of you have seen Mr. Marlon Brando, no, that Shakespeare can be different. France, Romans, countrymen. Let me rest. You can also imagine maybe John Wayne is Macbeth going, Well, is this a dagger I see before me? Oh, Robin, we the, miss you. The kids are loving it. That was definitely another scene where you, they pan to the faces of the kids and they look extremely happy. You look like this is the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life. And it was funny, but... It wasn't the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Robin, ad lib about poetry. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good considering that's probably what they told him to they do. They probably did. I felt the same way about Shakespeare, though, in high school. Like, really? all of it. Not like it? not my bag. So, you know, seeing mm. the movies done and seeing the plays in the theater and reading it aloud in class and to mm. have a Robin Williams impersonation of different actors doing different parts, you know, that was that that could have got me. You know, I, I might have cared about you. Shakespeare, but alas. Um, I don't know. I mean, to to go back to a little bit of the downer, like obviously the the suicide is this major yes, pivotal yes. point. Like Allie, what did you kind of think of like how they had, like, the different reactions. I was really surprised at, like, the way his father reacted. I was maybe... With how gruff and how hard he was on him, they really definitely show you that he wasn't... He really thought this was, like, in the best interest of his son. Like, he wasn't being mean because he didn't like him or... I don't know, just... And then all the other different reactions. Yeah, because, you know, after after Neil dies and you see the reaction of his parents rushing into the office, you know, of course, his mother is devastated, like, and in total denial, like... Oh, he's still alive, you know. He's okay. Thinking he's okay. And then his father, of course, being like that feeling that something is terribly wrong and figuring it out in the middle of the night. And uh, to get there and to care and then to go through the motions of an inquiry into other students at the school to figure out why this might have happened and to not even think that, wow, I was a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, anything to do with you? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, now you care? And at that point, and this probably is not very PC, but, you know, I kind of thought, Wow, Neil, you really stuck it to your father. Good job. <laughs> you know, because as your final act, and you it know. Wasn't, it was, and it was specifically, and I hadn't thought about this, but you mentioned it was in his office, like with his gun, and I hadn't right. thought of yeah. it that way. And who has the control in that situation? Right. Yeah, it's the one thing he could still control, or like the only thing, basically, right? right? And so mm-hmm. that's what he decided to do. Yeah, and the, the father, one thing I noticed, too, is that he his reaction was, my son, my son, like... Like his belonging, you know, it it felt a little selfish. Like it was, it was his son that was gone and it wasn't until like, I I don't know. I I just feel like, I mean, that's a great point. Like I'd never really thought about it that way, but yeah, he could have said, um, name. Neil. Neil. <laughs> he said, like, like Neil. Neil as his own person or, or, like, the loss of this other thing. Like, he viewed it as the loss of his son. Right. Not yeah. this other person. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that, the way that, that he tried to push through, like, finding out who did this or who was responsible for it, totally ignoring that, you know, it was him, that it, it was him that put Neil in this situation. You know, I, I think it's, you know, that character was just selfish. 
you know, through and through. Yeah, yeah. definitely. No, I was just talking about um, some of the other reactions because I thought that mm-hmm. the Todd Ethan Hawke's reaction mm-hmm. was obviously very powerful and stronger yeah. than the other characters. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so there was a letter they, they had to sign. Coerced to sign. They were coerced to sign. Yeah. Saying that Robin Williams was the reason yeah. that you know this kid committed suicide. Like mm-hmm. they forced us to sign it, and Robin Williams is like, "That's fine." Like yeah. he understands what's what's going Which on. Which I thought was really nice too, um, because it it's immediate. Like there's only seconds, right? And in Ethan Hawke's character has these mere moments to kind of try to get forgiveness, to try to explain right. or whatever. And so he said, you know, he, they made us sign it. We didn't want to or whatever. And he goes, I know, I believe you. Like immediately, uh-huh. like he like talks on top of him to say it's okay. Right. Which I thought was very yeah. compassionate. Well, when you know the administration's kind of against you mm-hmm. from partway through the school year. Oh, that's and true. Yeah. it ultimately leads to this firing and the yeah. way that what had happened with the kids. You know, you, you yeah. definitely know who was really in charge of the situation. Well, and even actually thinking about Keating's reaction to Neil's death or whatever, they show him sitting in the classroom empty, oh, yeah. being sad, and yeah. then finding the book in his desk. And I think he felt very responsible at that moment, whether or not it's true. Right. So yeah. I don't know that he actually feels all that bad leaving, except for the fact that he doesn't get to teach anymore. He right. Doesn't maybe, whatever. Uh, but he I think wouldn't he wouldn't be able to stay himself anyway. Yeah. yeah. I almost <laughs> wonder if he feels a little bit of relief to have some kind of negative repercussion. Which is weird. Let's like, yeah. I mean, I guess I'd probably hold my self responsible too, except, I don't know. I guess it's easy as a viewer to say, like, no, it was worth it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it segues really yeah. well into the the sequel where like he's very you know very like straight faced for the first part, but then he kind of discovers you know carpe diem again after, <laughs> after his, like, like towards the end. Dead Poet Society two carpe diem again. <laughs> I think the electric boogaloo needs to be in there somewhere. It's also a classic. <laughs> so, I'd recommend your listeners check it out. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll put up a link to that and get it on Amazon. Um, here is one of those important final scenes. Pretty much required listening. Absolutely. Captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. Do you hear me? Sit down. Sit down. This is your final warning, Anderson. How dare you? The second one is Knox. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But I, I love the fact that just the teacher has nothing he can do except just continue to yell at them. Like he doesn't <laughs> even threaten to expel them. Down. He's just like, get down. You better get down now. Get off that desk. <laughs> yeah, crotchety old man. He really is a crotchety old man. No, it's a great... It's a great but I, yeah, it actually kind of shows how powerless he is too. If they do that, like, there's nothing. He's not going to grab them and throw them off the desk. <laughs> he could expel them, I suppose. But at this point, best to just let it go. And then the very last shot of the movie is. I noticed that the shot went through another kid's legs. It does. Thought that was a little bit weird. I thought it was weird too. They could have pulled in just a little bit, and then you wouldn't have seen the legs. But... I think. I think whoever was the cinematographer. Thought it was cool or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, check this I'm out. I'm really going to show him. Yeah. <laughs> With this shot, put it in my reel. Maybe you was a fan of The Graduate, you know, the class. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that really just, like, kind of behind the knee shot there. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I've got... Do you have any others? I have one more clip. Let's do it. I have called this clip, White People Suck at Rap. Oh, oh I know which one this is. <laughs> Then I had religion, then I had a vision. I could not turn from their revel in derision. Then I saw the Congo creeping through the black, cutting through the forest with a golden trap. Then I saw the Congo creeping through the black, cutting through the forest with a golden trap. Then I saw the Congo creeping through the black, cutting through the forest with a golden trap. Then I saw the Congo. Yeah, it turns out 16, 17-year-old white guys don't really, don't really <laughs> no, capture. improvised instruments. <laughs> Is that like a rubber band at the end? or like? I think it was one of those mouth organs. Oh, okay. It goes like... Bang, bang, yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm glad you abridged that uh, a little bit because that goes on for quite a while. <laughs> it does. It's surprising how long it goes on. I think I kept it on long enough to get to some of yes. the weird instruments. Yeah. I'm glad you also didn't include the uh, saxophone, whatever the thing is. That oh, yeah. Does. They're like, I'm going to pretend to suck a saxophone, but I'm actually really good. It was like pseudo beat 
artist. Yeah. Be poet. So initially I was whatever. like, what is this rap when I listened to that? Like, what is this supposed to be? And I'm like, oh, and then the, the beat poetry thing came up and I was like, oh, this is more like a, that's their motivation. Like spoken this word. Yeah, spoken word beat poetry. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess makes sense. Yeah, but it's. It was cheesy, but I also thought it was kind of fun because you oh, could yeah. tell that, you know, they're they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. cute. they're trying. Oh, bless them. Yeah. And bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Allie, what do you I mean? Do you feel like, you know, you um, gain something from watching this movie? I feel more culturally enriched about um, my lacking experience at a boys' prep school. Good. Um, <laughs> yes, because, yeah, you were really missing that. I, myself, attended several boy preparatory schools, so I'm glad that you can you can see it from my side of things now. And I, I've seen another movie that's kind of similar in, in terms of, you know, a boys' boarding school. Um, it's called If, and it has Malcolm McDowell in it. Pretty old movie, but kind of a similar setting where there's acts of rebellion and some dark themes that come about. I'd encourage you to watch it. It's one of my favorites. You know, I forgot to do that during the first episode, but one of the things we wanted to do was that everyone would go around and give a recommendation of not necessarily a movie related to this, just something we're watching right now or something that we think other people should experience. And that's a good one. So for the the first episode, I mentioned uh, Cloak and Dagger. That's true, you did. Okay. And then for this one, I have to reiterate Dead Poet Society 2. Is, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like Godfather 2, where it's even better than the original. So everybody should uh, look for that. We're going to track the Google hits <laughs> for Dead Poet Society 2 <laughs> after <laughs> this podcast premieres. The movie that I would like to recommend is... I'd like to recommend World's Greatest Dead. It's a movie that stars Robin Williams. You can find it on Netflix. It's a fun one where... His son dies in a very tragic way, and then he lies, basically, about how it happened. It doesn't sound very funny, but it is pretty funny, and it's directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. You just like to say that name. I do. That's the only I reason you brought I it up. I know. You caught me. Well, your your eyes, like, say twinkled it. when you say said, it. I can't. I mean, what was it again? Bobcat Goldthwait. You ever seen Police Academy? No. He's the guy with the really weird voice in Police Academy. You would recognize the voice. I'll play it for you. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about because I feel like you know this is this is definitely inspirational and and I know that it is um, kind of like its own genre like I had mentioned before like the teachers to kind of becoming but I remember we actually watched Stand and Deliver in my AP Calculus class in high school and I think it's worthwhile I really liked it and that one's actually based on a true story I, I will have to watch that one again I know that I. I'm pretty sure I had to watch that in a class too. Yeah. I think everybody at some point, well, not everybody, obviously, yeah, but that was... I think it's a pretty standard. What are the standard like when your teacher didn't want to teach movies that you had to watch? The Princess Bride. Really? You really? got to watch you Princess got to Bride? Watch that? That's amazing. Middle school man, like uh, awesome. all the time. Uh, I think uh, my social studies uh, teacher in high school, I don't remember which flavor of social studies we were mm-hmm. taking at the time, but for like a week, we watched Gandhi. Oh, you know, in like yeah. however long class was, which was probably what, like 40 minutes or something like that. So you see that part like 70 times and then you just don't remember how it ends because maybe you've never seen the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where you're like, That's, this movie's like five hours long and we're going to watch it in like 40 minute increments. Um, but it was, I still actually really liked it. Yeah, I liked yeah. Gandhi yeah. as well. I got to watch, I won't say had to, the Romeo and Juliet from like the 70s where the... Juliet gets like naked halfway through and we had to take a note home and get it signed that said uh, that we were allowed to watch this movie with a naked lady in it. That was also Mrs. DJ's class. So thank you for that as well. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Free boobs at school. (laughs) Um, I know I watched um, American Graffiti. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I watched American Graffiti and Crimes and Misdemeanors in some senior. Really? Yeah. It's bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one too. Yeah. But yeah. Well, anyway, thank you very much for stopping by in our second episode of Cinematic Respect. Allie, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Carpe diem. Oh, I might do that. I'm going to do it tomorrow, <laughs> though. Because <laughs> it's kind of late. Yeah. yeah. It's like 11. Is it even <laughs> worth carpe dieming at this point? There's only an hour left. Yeah. I'm going to start over. Carpe diem. Yeah, what's, what's night in Latin? Can I, I don't just know. carpe the rest of the diem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Latin is for yeah. <laughs> And Adam, again, thank you for stopping by as yeah, well. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, and apologies for my voice if you have noticed that it has gradually gone downhill over the course of the episode. I think it's if, gotten sexier. 
Oh. All right. Well, let's keep going. You guys ready for a third episode? The movie we all watched. <laughs> hey, carpe diem to all the fine ladies out there. And now, and now it's turned into that show. So we're going to go. Late Thank you edition. for listening. I've ruined it. Well, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time. And be sure to catch the next episode where we're uh, going to discuss another pop culture gem. Hope you really enjoyed it. Yes, and make sure to check us out on the social media trifecta of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. No Pinterest, though. That place sucks. <laughs>